0: Like wow, like hello, what? Whatever it is, I'm liking it.
1: Hello there. This is uh Podventure Time. My name is Pat and I'm Ben. And uh, this is uh, our podcast where we talk about the show Adventure Time because I am a super fan of Adventure Time. I've seen every episode multiple times, and I'm trying to talk my friend Ben into enjoying the show as well. Ben, how do you see your role in this whole thing?
0: Uh, lab rat. I am enjoying my time as a lab rat, though. I'm fed well, and I'm I'm very comfortable in my little rat house. I and you know. have
1: a bonus ear growing out of your back.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, science. Yeah, no, so I have uh, I've been watching two episodes at a time uh, every week, and we talk about those episodes, and I talk about how I feel about the show in general and how we think that uh, the show is progressing. And I would say that so far I have enjoyed my time with, with Adventure Time. Yeah, well, me too. I was going to say, I think last time we we're talking about how you like to watch the shows or your experience of watching the shows. And you said it was an escape. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a bit of an escape. And I, I had said it was, um, that's different than how I'm watching these, right? Because I'm, I'm being forced to watch them for, I mean, you're not doing anything violent to me, but out of a sense of duty, I'm being, I'm watching them. And, uh, so it's less of an escape. It's more of a, more of a job but i said that this time i would try to as best i could simulate the experience of watching the show as an escape and i think i did this time i think what i ended up doing this week was i waited for a day that was particularly stressful at work and then on the way home from work i decided i'll watch the episodes on the train on the train on the train ride home so In that way, I was like, yeah, I'll just kind of, like I think you said, escape into the land of Ooh for a little while. So, I will talk about how that went uh, as we get into each episode.
1: That's exciting, Uh, commuting and watching Adventure Time. Did did you have anybody looking over your shoulder and snickering and or asking what it was that you were watching?
0: Oh, my wife, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Every time I turn this show on, my wife apparently has the same... Thought about this show as Hulu does. I think I've mentioned before that Hulu seems to refuse to acknowledge that I watch this show on a regular basis and never puts right. it on my never puts it on my must. Maybe it's just is trying to spare me the feelings or spare my my sensibilities for when I open up the app. If someone happens to be looking at the app, they don't see Adventure Time there.
1: That may be one thing, but Netflix doesn't spare my feelings when it gives me suggestions based on shows that Jackie has watched, like Scandal. Ah. Yeah. I get, you know, how to get away with murder and all those other... You
0: guys don't have, like, you don't do the separate, uh, like, the separate well, u- user log not logins, but, like, you can, like, split up the account to be... Yeah,
1: so here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, we, we were talking last week about how we may or may not be millennials. Well, in true millennial fashion, we are mooching Netflix off of my mom. <laughs> oh, okay. And so we just have the one account for me, but she watches it, so... You can definitely tell which rows are for Pat and which rows are for Jackie. Okay. But I, I do have to see a lot of suggestions that I watch crime or medical dramas, which don't really interest me. I think <laughs> I stopped watching Law & Order uh, right around the time I went to law school, I suppose.
0: <laughs> right when it got too real. It, it's It being too real is not the issue, trust me. <laughs> what? That's not a... That's not a documentary style uh exposé of what the true uh, law law and order system is in this country.
1: Well, I mean, I don't I don't live or work in New York City, so it could be very different there, but I I will tell you that I've never seen anybody like Jack McCoy in the courtroom.
0: Okay. All right. Uh well, that's all I've got. That's all I've got for the episode today, guys. I don't know. My brain's done. Uh, no, yeah, just kidding. Ben let's... just
1: Ben Ben escaped into the episode. He totally checked out. He doesn't remember exactly what he
0: watched. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's 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 uh, let's see if we can jog my memory. Let's jump into uh, yeah, our first so, episode of the. Of so the epi- this
1: being uh, episode ten of the podcast, we watched episode seventeen and eighteen of season one of Adventure Time. Uh, the first one of those, episode seventeen, was called "When Wedding Bells Thaw."
0: Yeah. This is an Ice King episode. Yes, it is. And I recognize, I, I not. Of course, it was an Ice King episode. I mean, like they, he was like part of the cover art of the episode. But I did find myself in, thinking in my head, like, oh, an Ice King episode. Like he's becoming a regular fixture for me in my head. Like it's not a, he's not a surprise anymore for me. And it's like I know now. I've watched enough that I know what to expect out of an Ice King episode. I think.
1: Yeah, I think he's certainly supporting cast, but he is very, very important supporting character, yeah. um, and he does a lot—well, he he has a lot of, of plots of his own, actually, like we see in this episode.
0: Yeah, so I think if I were to basically—if I were to break down this episode, it is an episode about the Ice King's wedding, which is, of course, should be a shock to uh, anyone who's familiar with the Ice King, but it's especially a shock to Finn and Jake that there is someone who is— as he tells it, is willing to marry him. He didn't have to kidnap her or anything. So there is a princess involved who is very wrinkly, but she is apparently willing to marry the Ice King. And so Finn and Jake are kind of like, oh, awesome, that means you're not going to kidnap princesses anymore. It basically takes him off off their radar. So they're, they're all for it. But... There's a wrinkle. No, i
1: i think it's I think it's important to point out where exactly it is or how exactly it is that Finn and Jake find out that the Ice King is going to get married.
0: Uh, yeah, he comes and tells them right at their front door. He comes and right. He's on knocking their
1: door. on the front door.
0: Yeah, he is bringing the news to them, which is important later, I guess. And we're kind of getting to there is uh, he is not so subtly hinting the reason he's there is he's not so subtly hinting that he. Would like a, a bachelor party thrown for him, or but he's he's, uh, he's he calls it a a manchletteret party, I believe.
1: A manlorette party, the yes. A
0: manlorette yeah, because his his soon-to-be wife is gonna have a bachelorette party with the female penguins that live at the Ice King Palace. Right.
1: She she scurries off with the female penguins and yep. and she's going to have a bachelorette party and then yeah. Ice King
0: of course has
1: has no social skills whatsoever but he's also desperate for love and so he's kind of leaning on the door jam saying, "Boy, I sure wish somebody would throw me a manlorette party."
0: That's right. And it's it turns from a not so subtle request quickly into a essentially a a, a demand, a blackmail situation. Right, on
1: behalf of the princesses of Ooo.
0: Yeah, Finn and Jake are kind of saying, like, no, man, I don't want to party with you. And then he says, well, if I can't have a Man Lorette party, then I can't sort of have one last hurrah before I get married. And if I don't have my one last hurrah before I get married, then when I'm married, I'm probably going to just revert back to my old ways of kidnapping princesses because it'll get too boring for me.
1: Exactly. He he doesn't uh he <laughs> he's not going to go through with the wedding if he doesn't get a man-lorette party. In fact, yeah. the way that the way that he goes about telling us this I thought was hilarious. He says uh if you don't throw me a man-lorette party that I'll never have lost that I'll never have my last hurrah before buckling down with that battle axe. <laughs> <laughs> so That's he's right. not married yet but he still is uh referring to the the impending nuptials to a battle axe. Yes. Um, Ice King is kind of all over the map uh, in this particular episode with regard to his desires and his emotions. Right. But, of course, everything is about him, and so he's going to get married, and so, on he's going to have a bachelor party, whether he has to coerce Finn and Jake into it or not.
0: Yep. And so uh, Finn and Jake eventually relent. They do. And then we have a pretty epic man-lorette montage sequence of all the with music
1: that i love by yeah. the way
0: yeah yeah i love the music too i i can't adequately describe it but i i really enjoyed it i also enjoyed the the montage of all the different uh clubs i guess in the land of Ooh that they that they went to yes uh, first of which was like a clear like care bear knockoff kind of character club there's a bunch of bunch of bears with drawings on their tummies. So clearly ripping off the Care Bears, but they're a, they're, they're a saltier crew than the, the uh, original Care Bears. But, yeah, not
1: all of them uh, yeah. exactly care about other people.
0: Yeah, the ge- the general theme of the montage is every bar they go to, the Ice King ends up getting in a fight with somebody in a drunken, drunken brawl. You know,
1: I actually thought it was interesting that Ice King never really tries to start any of the fights. So in the... Care Bear dance party. He's just sort of making eyes and dancing with a lady, and that's enough to get her, <laughs> like, gristled boyfriend. Right. You know, he looks like maybe he's missing an eye or something. He's been dragged around by some kid for a while. He comes over and decides he wants to fight the Ice King. Uh huh. And then uh, Ice King gets into a fight with a cactus on whom he. Accidentally spits his gross cactus drink, but as soon as anybody pushes the Ice King, uh, he completely, of course, loses control and escalates the situation and just starts freezing people and becoming that typical villain that you're used to seeing.
0: Yeah, he's he's got no no fuse on them on him. But so we get it. We, I liked the montage; I thought it was great. And then at the end, though, after all the partying, we have Finn and Jake saying, "Okay, we we gave you your party, so now it's time to." never, ever kidnap a princess again. And at that moment, the reality of that statement sinks in on the Ice King, and he has a bout of cold feet, I suppose you would say. Uh, right. He, he's, he starts whimpering and crying and realizing, you know, oh, man, you know, you say, he said, I think he said, like, you know, sometimes you say some things, and you don't really mean it, but he's crying and just kind of freaking out at the prospect that he will never be able to kidnap a princess again
1: yeah and he he really uh decides that that he doesn't want to get married anymore Mm -hmm. but of course finn and jake have every uh incentive to convince him to get married and the thought that that will keep him from yeah from kidnapping princesses and i really liked the part where uh I don't remember exactly what Jake says to him, but he says, come on, man, you know, you got to get married. It'll be great. And Ice King says, why? And Jake walks away with sweat dripping off his face. He can't (laughs) possibly think of a
0: reason. He's like, man, this guy's tough. (laughs) I, I've forgotten that point. I think because I was fixated on something else that I want to talk about now. When the Ice King has his cold feet and starts crying and saying, I don't know if I want to go through with this. Finn and Jake have similar goals of convincing him that he should go through with it, but they have different tactics that they're going to employ. Jake's, I think, or Finn says something like, well, okay, then here comes my double roundhouse kick. Like he wants to beat up the ice king, like beat him into submission. But then Jake says something that piqued my interest. Jake said, hold on, man, let big brother handle this. Yeah. And that piqued my, my fan theory, uh, ears quite a bit
1: yeah I was just gonna say does this uh does this go into the whole uh dream universe theory
0: yeah so amendment to the dream universe i think in the past i had said that my theory was that jake was either a an existing dog like a real dog or maybe like a, a stuffed animal like a like a calvin and Hobbes situation but i think what i'm going to amend it to is that jake is the jake is the manifestation of of an older brother in Finn's life. Named Jake, okay. maybe. Maybe, named Jake, maybe. I don't know. Like a literal older brother. And as I thought about it, because I, you know, I thought spent some time thinking about this. And I, uh, or the way I thought about it was like, yeah, they they kind of have a, I described it in the past as like a bro kind of relationship. But if I took that in the literal sense of like, you know, actual related bros... I don't know that that changes a whole lot of how I think about their relationship. Jake is definitely always looking out for Finn. Finn panics at the thought of Jake being injured or killed. Like, it's it's definitely, they definitely have a familial, like, a, they're definitely family to each other in the show. So it could be that they're family to each other in uh, in the alternate, the alternate universe where they're all just real people.
1: Yeah, I think that when they call each other bro, it's a little more meaningful than your average couple of buddies saying bro to one another.
0: Agreed. So, uh yeah, I'm going to tack that into my dream universe theory and say that Jake is representing an actual older brother in Finn's life. Okay, I, that fits. I, I still don't know if there is a dog. There could I don't know why I don't I don't have a real great answer to like why is he being manifested as a dog in this and not as like just a brother, but everything else, you know, I, you know, everything else has been sort of manipulated, like my theory around Marceline being a, being an older sister or something, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Marceline isn't actually a vampire in the real world. So that's probably, I'll probably just chalk it up to 12 year old boy imagination station.
1: Sure. So let me ask you this. How old do you think Marceline is Uh relative to Finn? And how old do you think Jake is relative to Finn?
0: Yeah. So now you're, now you're poking at me and I haven't thought enough to answer you off the okay. top of my head. No no no, but let me let me see if I can try. Um I think in order of age, I think I think Marceline is the oldest, Jake is middle, and Finn is youngest.
1: Gotcha. In All the right. in
0: the in the family that exists here. And I would say Marceline and I would say Jake is closer in age to Finn than Marceline is in age to Jake.
1: Gotcha. Alright.
0: So, yeah. And I think what we we've already said we already know that Jake's Finn's like twelve, eleven. It's already like it's kind of like literally stated some at some point, right? Yeah,
1: I think he's twelve at this point.
0: Alright, so he's twelve, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put Jake at high school age, seventeen, something like that. And I'm gonna put Marceline at eh, twenty not yet graduated college, I don't think though. Twenty one. Okay. So, so maybe I, maybe they are. Maybe I had my thoughts about the distances and ages wrong. But Jake is still living at home, and yep. Marcy right. is not. Is kind of my maybe instead of age dis- differentiation, it's that's the delineation I've got.
1: Okay, so we've got a protective big brother who does everything with Finn, but then we also have sort of the mythical mm-hmm. older sister who has grown up so much that she's difficult to understand until she actually comes home and interacts with you.
0: Right. She's been, she's literally, yeah, she's 10 years older than at least 10 years older than Finn, I think.
1: All right. So we will put a pin in All Jake right. is dream manifestation of Finn's brother.
0: Yeah. I have no idea where I'm walking out onto with this thing. I, I I like it though. I like building that alternate world.
1: Everything you've said fits so far.
0: Okay. So let's get back to the episode at hand. So We've got this point where the, the the Ice King has said, well, wait a second, I don't want to go through with it. But they convince him to do it. They convince him by showing him some swans, I think. <laughs> they show him the love that two swans have, which is usually a symbol of like monogamy because I think it's sort of culturally known that swans mate for life for some reason. I don't know why that's something we tell all children, but it is.
1: Well, because I think so few animals actually mate for life that we have to justify monogamy by pointing it out in the animal kingdom wherever we can.
0: Okay, that's probably true. Uh, Yeah, that's just us searching for reasons to justify our decisions. That's
1: species-wide confirmation bias.
0: uh Uh-huh, that's right. So he shows them some swans and says, Look, you could have the love that these swans have. And the swans are kissing. The swans aren't, like, super graceful-looking, but... uh, it gets real hairy real quick because the the husband swan all of a sudden just, like, inhales and eats the female swan. Yep, just swallows her. She's fine, though. She's just, like, living inside of him at that point. She pops her head back out at one point point, just says, like, hello. the The great thing and the problem is that this convinces the Ice King because he goes, oh, I see what you mean now. If I get married, that's like kidnapping a princess forever and having her live inside me and this appeals to him greatly. And it's one of those where Finn and Jake are kind of like, "Uh, yeah, sure, I guess if this convinces you to do it, we'll go with that." And I love that. I thought that was a great little uh convincing moment that that they uh that they created there.
1: Yeah, I think Ice King doesn't have any idea of how any actual social interactions work, so if you can get him to behave like something of a normal person, sure. for whatever reason, you just go ahead and let him do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, seems that we've reached, you know, problem solved, and Finn and Jake are going to attend the wedding to kind of, I think, watch watch it just out of curiosity, but also to make sure that he goes through with it. So they we, we the last act of this episode is at the Ice King Palace, and we are going to witness the ceremony. But there's a complication. We learn, as Finn and Jake arrive at the palace, and they see the ceremony, and they say hello to the soon-to-be-wed princess, Finn notices something strange about her and walks up to her. She's got huge eyes that are crying uncontrollably, even though the princess says... Oh, I'm fine and I'm so happy and the tears are just because my tear ducts have broken, I think. But he looks deep into her eyes and in there sees a trapped princess, somewhere trapped sort of in like a mental prison. She sees he sees the true princess who is trapped inside saying, "Finn, you've got to get me out. The Ice King has cursed me to live it to be sort of trapped within him herself and unable to control her body or her mind. And yeah, so,
1: he's he's yeah. sort of managed to turn her body into some kind of yeah. zombie that acts independently of her brain, and yeah. uh, she is just locked away. I, yeah, it, like
0: the locked-in syndrome or whatever that, that you kind of hear about in coma patients kind of thing.
1: Yes, and we, we get the visual that I really like of her with uh, pupil jail bars that she's peering through
0: yeah that was actually yeah i do agree that was a good artistic move by the animators so now we have an actual issue we have a problem that needs to be it needs to be solved by our adventure duo and the solution is clear beat up the ice king uh so it turns into it quickly devolves into a into a fight
1: well i i think it's important to note here that yeah. uh ice king makes this somewhat harder on himself by sort of setting up this
0: James Bond villain version of a wedding. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, because the wedding ceremony is kind of unique. (laughs) Apparently the customs of the Ice Kingdom are to hoist the bride via a pulley system into into the rafters and then slowly lower her until she touches the beard of the husband, at which point they are married.
1: Right. So it's not just a matter of, you know... You've seen a lot of movies, that you know the uh, the bad guys saying, "Come on, come on, say say husband and wife, husband and wife," and the mm-hmm. Ice King is standing there urging uh, everyone. <laughs> I think it's the Penguins, probably, are yeah. lowering her, saying, "You know, come on, get her down here so she can touch my beard." Right. And uh, meanwhile, Finn and Jake, of course, spring into action.
0: Yeah, I think also we should mention the um, the realization that Jake has after he learns that the princess is actually being cursed and is not acting of her own free will because then Jake walks through basically the whole episode to this point, the plot arc of saying like, wait a second, Ice King. You knew that the princess was going to marry you no matter what because you had her under complete control. You knew that you weren't, that you were, you were, going to be able to do whatever you wanted, including continue to kidnap princesses if you wanted to because of this control. And you knew all those things. And yet you took us through this crazy emotional arc and like blackmail scenario where you made us throw you a party and then you acted like you weren't ready for the wedding that you were in complete control of And all of this stuff. And I think it just, it had, it was, it's, it's exactly what the Ice King does. He's a sociopath, but. Exactly. But it is certainly, I think it added a new element to this, the, to his psychoses, I suppose to, for me, because in the past it was like, he would do anything to have his perception of love, to attain his perception of love and companionship but it's clearly now expanded to like any kind of companion like friendship he's basically you know he was he was kidnapping in a sense he was kidnapping Finn and Jake into being his friends
1: yeah, yeah.
0: uh so it's all it's just there is no end to his to his mental his mental unstable, instability instability yeah
1: it's it's like you know ice king who claims that he needs to steal princesses so that he can find one to marry him? In this episode, he really just uses his impending wedding as sort of uh, a tool to get attention and companionship from yeah. Finn and Jake. Yeah. Shame on you, Ice King. But... Yeah, I mean that's it, he's he's so utterly sociopathic mm-hmm. that the evil kidnapping scheme is actually sort of a double scheme. So that not only will he get a wife, but he also will have the chance to have a man-lorette party with Finn and Jake.
0: Right. Who he I can... think
1: at this point is becoming sort of clear. Ice King isn't just some villain out to get Finn out to get Finn and Jake. He, um, they, they, they seem like kind of the only cool guys around, and so Ice King really wants to be buds with them. I think.
0: Yep, I think that's what what's 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 being revealed here is that. As much as the Ice King says he wants to kill Finn and Jake, I think he would if it if he ever achieved his goal, he would be more empty inside than if than just having them as constant, at least constant adversaries. At which I think he interprets in his in his twisted mind as friends,
1: yeah. Some kind. And I think that Finn and Jake have kind of realized that the Ice King is basically very sad, and they are, uh, you know, I think that Finn sometimes when he sees Ice King being threatening will go ahead and sort of stand your ground law him and and go after him. But, um, you know, when he knocks on the door, they don't immediately just like, you know, arm themselves and go charging out as if there's, uh, I mean, if if your worst enemy were at your door, you probably wouldn't just open the door and say, hey, what do you need? Right. I think that Finn and Jake have also identified Ice King as, if not harmless, um, at least somebody who's Not guaranteed to be going after your jugular at all times. There are other things that he's trying to do, and one of them, as we learn here, is just make make friends.
0: Right. So, to finish up the episode, Finn and Jake do save the day. They were able to release the princess from her brainwash spell, and as an added insult to injury to the Ice King, they interfere in the wedding in such a way that He ends up marrying Jake by the laws of the Ice universe, because it is Jake who ends up touching the Ice King's beard at the right moment. But at the end of the day, all is well. The princess is saved. Finn and Jake head home. And the last scene we see is uh, sort of what we're talking about here. The Ice King is back at the door, knocking on Finn and Jake's door, saying, Hey, do you want to help me celebrate or commemorate or commiserate the fact that I am his, his divorce. He calls it his unmarrying, but I think essentially like, do you want to have a divorce party for me?
1: Right. Well, you know, yeah. when, when you break up with somebody, you call your buds and you yeah. want to go out and have a good time. And, yeah. and ice King figures, Hey, you know, I, I didn't get to get married and boy, my I heartbroken. So my buds better take me out for some dancing with bears and drinking with cacti.
0: Finn and Jake laugh in his face, well, through the door, through the closed door, but they laugh, and it's clear that they are not going to indulge him a second time, and that's how we end. Yes, well, I think that they do sometimes
1: have a soft spot for him and and will um, do things that they, you know, that they maybe know aren't, uh, they kind of know they're walking into one of his traps sometimes, but (laughs) they're not about to uh, head back out and party with the Ice King this time, so... At the end of the day, the, the princess has escaped, but we've learned about, uh, I think, we've learned some stuff about the Ice King and just exactly what his motives are, and I think we've also learned some of the ways that Finn and Jake are uh, learning to deal with the Ice King as someone other than just, you know, Sauron on, Lord, on Mount Mordor, uh, the the evil villain that they need to be in conflict with at all times.
0: That's right. And I would say, if I, you know, I told you before, I tried to watch this as like a, uh, I tried to put myself in the mind of the mindset of this is an escape, this is something fun to just kind of get lost in. So I did let my mind wander while I watched this one. And I just found myself thinking about the Ice King a lot. And I did, I kind of got lost in just reveling in how nuts the Ice King was. That's kind of where I got to. I I did enjoy, I, I had a lot of fun thinking through my fan theory, and I think I did. I just got, I, I think I can see where you come from when you say that you can get lost in these episodes, especially episodes like this that are like rich in kind of delving into the, building the characters out even further from what they had been previously. Like that's, that I'm, I'm able to sink my, my teeth into that a, a ton. So I think that, this episode in particular i was like okay i see where you're coming from in the uh when you say you get lost in these
1: yeah i i think for me it's 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 a visually stimulating show it's a fantastical cartoon and so in that sense you know it's not like watching the wire or something right. uh where i am probably more depressed at the end of it than i was to begin with at right. which point you wonder why you watch tv <laughs> but at the same time you know, I also really like the the insights into the characters. And so, yeah, I think that I lose myself in a similar way, just sort of the world of OO is, is nothing like Earth. It's nothing like my day-to-day life. But at the same time, I'm invested in it because of what we see happen to the characters and the way that they respond to those things.
0: Yeah, agreed. I think I see where you're getting there. Uh, let's talk about, let's let's get lost in the next episode. Yeah, next
1: episode. So now we're looking at season one, episode 18, which is called Dungeon.
0: And as soon as I saw the title Dungeon, in my head I thought, video game. The classic, you know, you always, like Zelda or a lot of role-playing games. Dungeons is sort of like the the name given to parts of the map. The, the game map that are usually underground but at least sort of like dangerous tr- areas where you're going to find some treasure and fight a monster or two
1: yeah they're like well so if you're into like you know sort of massive role-playing games on on newer systems uh where there's sort of an open world that you can explore at your leisure a dungeon is is kind of a level like yeah. you, you go inside, and there is a uh, prescribed path that you follow, and you fight dudes, and then there's probably a boss,
0: yep. and that pretty much is what happens in this episode. Exactly, and they aren't they don't shy away from it; they actually embrace. I mean, the the they even use like music cues that are video game sounding throughout the right. episode. That is essentially what this episode is. I would it's a I think we've said other episodes in the past have been um, sort of side quest episodes which is also a video game kind of term terminology so this is kind of what's happening we just there is a dungeon in the episode a literal dungeon that finn and jake are supposed to be putting signs up for to tell people not to go into it they're they're putting up signs at the behest of uh princess bubblegum
1: which of course is a terrible delegation of authority by princess bubblegum
0: right put the put the kid put the kid who's desperate to go in and seek out adventure at any cost and at any time in, right it yeah, tell yeah, him it's, that, tell it's him like that saying hey cool, hey yeah.
1: uh you know hey jimmy your friend who who really likes cocaine uh can you just take this over to uh to the record exec's office for me right you know be real careful make sure you deliver that briefcase or else somebody's going to come after me <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it is this is the wolf guarding the hen house <laughs> so of course there's this well leading to a dungeon with some sort of gem. I can't even remember the name of the gem, but like a a tr- a treasure at the, the end of the Crystal Eye, I believe. The Crystal Eye, sure. It's a gem. And Jake knows about it. Jake says, "Yeah, this is this is how you get to the the dungeon of the Crystal Eye." But yeah, let's not go to. Like he's he's sort of nonchalant about it, but as soon as Finn hears about it, he's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm going down there." and uh and he does and what we but we have is a slight argument with Finn and Jake before they before Finn heads out because Jake wants to eat lunch. Jake wants to do just about anything besides go down there. He's kind of like not interested.
1: Well, he also I think listened to Princess Bubblegum and is kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever's down there it's not really worth it. Right. They're- Where Jake is certainly an enthusiastic adventurer, I think that Finn is a completely thoughtless one, and and Jake occasionally will think to himself and tell Finn, like, you know, maybe we should set this
0: one out. Right. But he says something that, uh, I think he says it unintentionally, but it gets Finn's goat, which is, you shouldn't go down there, Finn. You wouldn't last two seconds or ten seconds or something without me and my powers. You'll just die. Right. And, and this is
1: something that we have talked about quite a bit about how Jake can sometimes just be a plot device to save Finn.
0: Yep. Finn has a expected reaction to this, which is knee-jerk ego, essentially, of saying, Oh, I'll show you. I will I'll go through this whole dungeon without you. I don't need you at all. This is this is my wheelhouse. I don't re- i don 't need you at all is essentially what it is, so he yep. so
1: here we have this codependent friendship, and the mm-hmm. two of them decide to demonstrate their independence
0: yep, so Finn dives headlong down into the dungeon
1: and it... now yeah. before we get into the dungeon, I want to ask you about one particular line that I thought was hilarious to me, this was one of those punch lines without a setup that i find is that i find hilarious as pencils bubblegum is explaining to them that they should put up these signs all around the dungeon and you know whatever you do don't go in the dungeon and and jake looks at her in one point and this sort of elvis voice says well yeah whatever you need baby oh um, yeah
0: right i at thought the, that was hilarious and i right i wanted at, to get your read um, on that one right at the beginning of the me- of the episode yeah he says uh he calls her like "pretty mama" or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that, but now that you mentioned it, I remember it, and I, I loved it too. I I love Elvis impersonations. Not, it's not like a thing, but I I think they're funny. It's not like I seek them out, but when they happen, I think they're funny. And Jake, it is a total throwaway joke that only happens once, right at the beginning of the episode, where <laughs> Jake just uh, Jake's just doing Elvis for one line. I thought it was great.
1: All right, good. Me too. Yeah. So, Finn dives down into the dungeon of course because that's what Finn does and yeah. as far as he knows, he, Jake has
0: remained up top and he's on his own. Yep, and and Finn says uh, I think he shouts, "I'm in my element" and just starts bopping around this dungeon like running around like a like crazy person, like someone on cocaine, really. And he just, you know, zooms around and goes like, "Cool monsters. Cool." treasure chests just loving life basically he's just diving through things but he um as he dives through and and gets through he ends up in he ends up in a in a room in the dungeon where all of a sudden we have a boss a i guess we'll call them and we learn we don't know at the point but he's a uh an underboss, or what I, I can't remember the right term for a, for a video game, but he's not he's not going to end up being the fu- the final boss. But it is a cat, like a jungle, a jungle cat. I can't remember his name, but the defining characteristic of the cat monster is that he has approximate knowledge of many things,
1: <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> which I thought was a. Cr- <laughs> I laughed out loud at that one because it's it's he talks and has the arrogance of someone who knows all and sees all. But he really just knows kind of everything, but not truly everything. So Right. Well he makes yeah.
1: stupid little mistakes. Like I think he says, Oh, I see
0: you've got a dog with you. Jack is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he calls Finn he, he without knowing Finn's name, he calls him Frank the human boy, I think. <laughs> and and Finn says, like, How did you almost know my name? <laughs> <laughs> uh That's i just right. i thought I have was, approximate knowledge of many things i have approximate knowledge of many things which i think is just a great line and it's a cool running gag through the whole episode but it's the 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 cat is the cat is says he uh he means to kill finn and eat him and or do a lot of different violent things to him
1: yeah but, and i i want to point out here that this cat is scary like this cat just doesn't says I'm gonna get you Finn or you know I'm gonna track yeah. you down and make you my lunch. Like he kind of lists several actually violent things that he wants to do to Finn if he ever gets his claws into him. Yeah,
0: and he does it. He does it in the classic villain like calmness that says like he he has the uh, the fortitude to do it and and it's actually not a big deal to him. He's he thinks it's uh, it's it's a classic villain device to to be calm discussing something horrible. Yes. Uh, yeah. And
1: and a, and a scary one I think. Like yeah. I honestly like what, you know, I we we talked maybe back in the first episode about Dave under, starting to understand what the concept of a villain is. Like do you think that he would have been ready to hear a cartoon character uh, clearly mm. identified as a villain, but do you think he would have been he would have been ready to hear <laughs> someone say the sort of uh violent things that uh that this villain says?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that is it's not something I would have my three-year-old son watch at all. You're right. Like he's not ready to. In he's not ready to watch a villain who explicitly states their desire to do harm to you, and it's, especially in such a gratuitous way, that is not a that is not something I would I would be having the kid the kid watch. So this is, it's you're right. It's an elevation. He's he's a he's a more uh, a violent villain, an explicitly violent villain than we've met before in the land of Ooh. Yeah, I believe so. But Finn does manage to escape his battle. Not unscathed, but he does manage to escape. And in the process, he, the reason he is able to escape is that the evil cat has him in his jaws, but then smells Jake's scent on him and freaks out and says, Oh no, you have a dog with you, and is clearly afraid of dogs. And he runs away. And while that's good news for Finn, it's a blow to his ego because Finn realizes oh man I probably would have died had it not been for Jake Jake's not even here and he's still saving my life and that is uh it's not something he really wanted to deal with while he was down in the dungeon
1: right right yeah he um he was ready to prove that he could do this all himself and and he definitely realizes Jake just saved me even though Jake was up top proving that yeah. he would have to save me
0: in absentia yep so he kind of pushes he kind of pushes that little uh, ego ego setback aside pushes that feeling deep down and and forges on into another room of the dungeon and he meets the next his next opponent the bucket knight I believe is the name of this yes that, the
1: bucket knight
0: which is a uh, a fearsome looking guy in full suit of armor but we quickly learn He's about ankle high on Finn. We see he's actually only about uh, six inches tall. And while he is intimidating and sounds menacing, Finn says, Finn basically just runs past him and says, hey, I don't even need to fight you because you're so tiny. Well, yeah, uh,
1: it's it's actually, I really like it. Uh, yeah. The Bucket Knight says, no one can get, or no one can ever beat the Bucket Knight. And Finn says, well, fine, I just won't fight you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is uh, clever. So... Finn thinks he's gotten past the Bucket Knight, but then the Bucket Knight reveals his power, which is when the Bucket Knight gets wet, he dumps a bucket of water on himself. The Bucket Knight expands and becomes enormous. Exponential uh, growth. Yeah, he fills the room. He's tall as almost as hitting the head on the ceiling of this cavern. And the Bucket Knight then challenges Finn and says, well, go ahead and use your powers as what you know, whatever they may be, And then we shall have an epic battle. And Finn says, uh, well, you see, I don't really have any powers. Again, realizing that in this instance, Jake would be the one to fight someone who could expand exponentially because Jake can also expand exponentially. And then the Bucket Knight proceeds to wail on Finn for a while because he has no powers and, and the Bucket Knight is clearly overmatching him.
1: Yeah, he's just way too big for Finn to take on.
0: Yeah, and he escapes the room essentially by, I think, getting like punched through a wall into the next room or something like that. But he's saved by a guardian angel, or a very beautiful,
1: radiant, white and blue, sweet Uh
0: voice—uh-huh—voice of uh, Maria Bamford, making another yes, Maria Bamford again. I recognized her this time. Yeah, she says, "I am your guardian angel, Finn, and I will save you from this, and I will restore you to your health," which she does takes away all of his, bu- his bumps and bruises, prepares his r- repairs his ripped clothing and says I'll take you directly to the chamber of the crystal eye. And Finn says, "Well, that is great. This is a great development." But and I can't remember how it's revealed, but all of a sudden something changes in that guardian angel and her face has her face switches to that of a demon. Her voice switches to that of a demon. And she realize she reveals that she's no she's no angel. She is actually a horrible creature who is intent on cooking and eating Finn. So she carries him off to her lair and throws him in her in he throws him into a pot with a cage on it, and she is gonna cook him alive.
1: Over <laughs> which the secret is a low flame over a long period. Yes. Which
0: Finn Finn says, well, that's Jake's Jake's secret, too. Yeah. (laughs) Jake apparently also has a recipe for cooking kids. But, speaking of Jake, who should we see all of a sudden? But who else is in this pot with Finn? Jake. Jake is also there. The two friends reunite, happy to see each other. And Finn asks, well, what are you doing down here? And Jake recalls his tale and says... Well, I came down after my lunch to find you, but I ran into a few obstacles, and he He sort of describes a bunch of tests that he was forced to pass, and he says "I couldn't do them they were he said you would have you would have done it super easily, and I just couldn't and jake says Jake reveals basically that he has learned what Finn brings to their relationship and to their team their team uh, spirit, whatever you want to call it, effectiveness. Yeah.
1: And- I, I actually thought that this, if it if it were a 30-minute show, I thought it would have been a good episode of one of those sitcom tropes where they put, you know, uh, event A and and event B next to each other. Yeah. And so we kind of see, you know, Finn going through the dungeon and getting beat up and wishing he had Jake and then Jake going through the dungeon and getting beat up and wishing he had Finn. But... We're working with twelve minutes here, so we just have to have Jake kind of talk about a few of the things that he had. Kind to of get montage through that, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That he would have uh you know, if Finn had been there, he would have been just fine. Yeah.
0: They at the end of the tale, Finn Jake says something like, You know, I just I didn't you know, I it made me realize how much i I you know, how much I I need you and then he kinda of says, Do you know what I mean? And Finn says knowingly, says, Yeah, I think I do. And then they pound it out, they give a little fist bump, and then you get a uh, mutual respect. uh, Newfound. Newfound respect. That's what it is. Newfound respect, uh, spinning title, (laughs) kind of flying out of that, which I thought was a good joke.
1: Yeah, I I always like it when they do the the sort of jokes on the Adventure Time logo flying in. Sometimes it's Adventure Time. I think one time it's been lunchtime, and yeah, I really like the newfound respect one.
0: Yep. Well, now the team's back together. They put the band back together, and so uh, so getting out of this sticky situation in this in this uh, cauldron is actually is is no sweat to these two now that they now that they're back together working working as a team. So they quickly get out of it. They they crush and beat up the angel witch, whatever we want to call her, and then they make their way to the chamber of the crystal eye, which is. A giant diamond sitting upon a, a tall, t- a tall dais, and they walk up to it and they say, "This is this is no problem with uh, the power of something like power of like friendship lifting." I think, right. <laughs> which is a great line. And they lift it up, but <laughs> apparently this diamond was the last complication of the episode is that this diamond was apparently like a plug that was holding back some evil force that is basically released by them lifting the diamond up. And then they're trying to fight it off. And it looks as if they're going to they're going to meet their end there, kind of have their um Butch Cassidy Sundance moment.
1: Yeah, it's it's yet another moment in this dungeon where we're yeah. thinking, okay, you know, maybe they shouldn't have come down because there doesn't seem to be any way that they're going to ha- I think it's like sort of these flying flaming eyeballs that come yeah. out of
0: the uh yeah, they seem to of be, the crystal eye. They seem to be invincible. But all of, out of nowhere Millennium Falcon style. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone starts blasting them away, and it, who is it? It's Princess Bubblegum on her her swan of vengeance, I guess. Yeah, her laser, her, her la-
1: laser firing swan.
0: Yep, exactly. And she is pissed. <laughs> she she is more pissed at Finn and Jake than she is at the evil eyeballs. I think she fights them back. puts the puts the the crystal eye back in its place. Fights the evil eyes back. That is. Puts the crystal eye back in its place and tells Finn and Jake to get on her swan and but then asks then best yells at them, I told you not to come down here. Have you learned your have you learned a lesson from all of this? And they did. They actually this is the first time they actually acknowledged that they did learn a lesson, and it was to have mutual and newfound respect for each other and teamwork is better than not teamwork. That's not the lesson Princess Bubblegum wanted them to learn.
1: Right. She uh, was thinking maybe they should have learned before they went into the dungeon that they shouldn't go in dungeons, That she tells them to put up don't-go-in-dungeon signs out (laughs) of
0: They fly off, having not learned the lesson maybe they should have learned to begin with, but having learned a lesson nonetheless.
1: So that's, uh, that's 17 and 18.
0: Yeah, I liked them both. I really liked the first one a lot better, if I'm gonna be honest, but I, this the second one was, the second one was fine. It was like a, it was a side quest episode. It kind of just like happened. It was a, it was a plot device to have them learn a moral that I don't know that I needed them to learn. Like it seemed like they were pretty. To be honest, before this, I it seemed like they were pretty appreciative of each other to begin with. Like it wasn't like they were having some major falling out or something yeah. so it was sort of like an artificial problem yeah. that was created in my mind of them not respecting each other but uh it was a fun episode nonetheless uh so i would say uh two thumbs up for episode 17 and half a thumb up for episode 18 fair enough so i i wanted to ask
1: you we've got a maybe a couple minutes left what are you thinking about ice king these days, after uh, the the episodes that we've seen him play an important role in, and particularly this one. You got any theories about where Ice King fits into this whole thing?
0: Are you asking me about my fan theory, or are you just asking about, like, If he in fits general? into
1: your fan theory, let me know. If you just want to tell me something about what you think about his character, I'm just curious where you are on
0: Ice King. Oh. Ice King represents, to me, like, a... Hmm, how do I articulate, the, articulate this well? He represents a known entity to Finn and Jake, something that they, like it's a, like I kind of said at the beginning, like, oh, I know it, it's an Ice King episode. He, he, has, he has qualities that are uh, easily identifiable. You kind of know what to expect out of him. He seems to be turning into a bit of a plot device in some ways because he's not... You know, you know how he's going to act in in any given scenario. Usually now, so I don't know. Like, what are you looking for? Because I think short
1: question: good guy or bad guy?
0: Good guy or bad guy? Oh, definitely still a bad guy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Definitely still a bad guy. You leading me down somewhere?
1: Well, I just think it's really interesting in this episode that he he wants to be friends with Finn and Jake, and I think it's interesting that they don't immediately identify him as an enemy that needs to be dealt with in some you know sort of violent or uh at least decisive
0: way they they open
1: the door and say ice
0: king what what's going on man yeah okay i'll get you i get you there i mean i suppose like his intentions versus his actions are different right like like can we like that we see that those are different now yes i do see that those are different he's not a i think you said he's not a uh He's not just an evil eye Sauron villain. He is. He's Darth Vader. After you learn that the reason Darth Vader's well, I don't want I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen the prequels or, some yeah, or something. Yeah, you don't want but, Dave listening to this before yeah. he
1: sees four, five, and six,
0: man. Before you leave, before you learn why Darth Vader's messed up, he's he's after, he's not he's he's Anakin Skywalker now. Like you know, you kind of get a sense of his pathos. So yeah, that's how I see him. He's still evil, though. You can't take, you can't erase the evil actions in my mind. Fair enough. Yeah, maybe I'm taking too hard of a line on the Ice King at this point. But, no, so. I,
1: I think your are I think your reading is is where it should be at this point. You know, he he All certainly right. hasn't done anything to show that that he's not a sociopath, and that any action he ever takes is not solely in his best interest. I think. The difference is, instead of, you know, a lot of villains, their self-interest is getting rid of the hero, but here the villain seems to have a lot of other interests, and he's very confused. He Mm -hmm. seems to only resort to violence when he can't get the other things that he wants. I think, especially in a lot of kids' cartoon shows, you know, like... Cobra and Mumra if they don't actually say okay evil is going to triumph in the world they're just like obviously evil and after world domination and destroying the good guys Ice King I think has a lot more going on
0: yeah you're right Ice King is not after world domination Ice King has very personal goals that are that are definable yeah yeah Uh, okay so I see where you're heading there yes agreed he's not the emperor he's Darth Vader right all right well on that note i think we've i think we've sufficiently discussed episodes 17 and 18 i'll look forward to watching episodes 19 and 20 next we're getting close to closer and closer to the end of season one uh, at which point i think we'll have to have a pretty sizable discussion about how our experiment has fared thus far yeah absolutely but but until then we will have some good discussions in the meantime uh so hopefully you will join us for those yeah, Until well, you then, know, one thing that yeah.
1: uh, that we need to do here that we keep forgetting is I need oh. to say thank you to my friend Will Yates for providing my oh, yeah. intro and outro music. Will, thank is, you, Will, uh, a fantastic electronic and pop musician, and uh, if you take a listen uh, to his other stuff at willyates.bandcamp.com or Spotify, he and I will really appreciate it. Uh, so, thank you, Will, for allowing us to do that. Anything else before we go?
0: No. Thank you all to who uh, thank you all for listening, and hopefully we'll talk to you and and uh, you'll be listening next time.
1: All right, well, until then, this has been Podventure time. I've been Pat and I've been Ben. I'm going to unzip your skin and wear you like a little coat.